The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Well, this is Heart Health Radio. We are live today from the Man Expo at the Jim Graham Building. North Carolina State Fairgrounds. I'm Dave Alexander. Here is Dr. Franklin Weefold. How you doing, sir? You know, I, I've been walking around this place. It's absolutely yeah. amazing yep. what they offer here. I mean, from jet skis to, you know, tactical gear with uh, uh, night vision scopes. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, it's, I guess it's a man show. But, you know, could they do this in Berkeley, California? I don't think so. Yeah, they would. They would have uh, things... Uh, like hair products, skin products. <laughs> oh, oh, they have two companies here. Yeah, just for beard care. Yes, yes. And they've got that. guys over there who look like ZZ Top. Yep. And they got, and they're caring for their beards. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it makes sense. All right, amazing. On, today, on today's show at the Man Expo. By the way, you'll have plenty of time to stop out and see us. We're a two-hour show. We're we're here uh, until two o'clock. Um, you can. Uh, on today's show, doctors say Leah Thomas has an advantage as a swimmer. Uh, we'll tell you why, because experts now say it. Uh, Tulsa gunman shoots doctor over back pain. Mm-hmm. Another terrible incident. And, in fact, there was one mentioned on the news just a moment ago. This Tulsa man, now, obviously, there's more going on than pain from his back right you assume yeah that he's i mean a clearly personality. clearly a mental illness involved um you know this is uh hitting home for me mm-hmm. uh, one of my best friends uh todd graham mm-hmm. in south bend indiana and this was probably five years ago he is a what was called a rehabilitation physician so <clears throat> his job was to take people with chronic uh, orthopedic problems yeah. and try to rehabilitate them uh, and get their muscles and bones working in the right way. Well, right. he had a situation where a woman and the husband came in and the woman was in pain and Todd had treated her for a period of time with uh, opiate uh, analgesic right. and had weaned her off. And she was still in pain. The husband insisted that he rewrite the prescription and Todd refused. And the guy came back with a high-powered weapon and killed him. And so that is, you know, an experience that I've had. Uh, The guy ran off and shot himself in the head just like this guy did. But the question becomes what we do. Um, Chronic pain, and I hate to use this terminology, can make you crazy. Right, right. There's no doubt about it. And um, the number of suicides in chronic pain patients skyrocketed after, you know, we physicians were blamed for the opiate overdose epidemic and 
forced, and I'm going to use this term, forced, out of fear of getting in trouble with the medical board to restrict our use of pain medication. I can't tell you the number of primary care physicians that I know who have completely stopped writing or calling. Because even if you can prove the uh, rationale for right. why you're treating a patient with a narcotic, if you get investigated by the medical board, like I have, and I won, um, it's still thirty to sixty thousand dollars in legal fees. Could have. So even if you retain your license and you're not put in to you know the uh, newspapers uh, and the um, yeah. You know, the online situations right. where you're being blamed or pointed out as a bad physician. Right. It's going to kill you financially. So people have just gotten out of the business. And from the perspective of a patient, there used to be, I've had, I've had surgeries that they thought right. were going to be awfully painful. And I remember being written 20 to 30 pills that were serious right. pills. Yeah. It ended with codone. Yeah. Or, right or, yeah, oxycodone, right. hydrocodone, hydromorphone. Right. So here's the thing. Nowadays, they don't get 20 or 30. They get seven. Seven. Eight. Good luck to you. Yeah. And and, and, and is there addiction involved? Sure there is. Uh, people with addictive behaviors need to be watched carefully. They may be just the people to be referred to. Um, comprehensive pain clinics where there are psychologists and pain specialists to be involved. Right. You don't want to give narcotics to teenagers. Uh, right. Their brains have not fully developed. Right. And the uh, utilization of narcotics in adolescence has definitely been shown to be a, uh, to impart a greater risk of being narcotic dependent when they become 20 and 30 years old. So right. there are things that we have to do. But just willy-nilly cutting off pain medications from people with chronic pain, I think, is a huge mistake. And the concept was that when physicians got scared enough to mm-hmm. stop writing narcotics, we'd have a markedly lowered uh, incidence of narcotic overdose. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the opposite. Really? Yeah. If you look at the graphs um, and the number of prescriptions for narcotics being written by physicians has plummeted to about one-third of what it was before this this um, started. Right. And now the overdoses are five times what they used to be. Okay. Taking off your prescriber hat for a moment. Right. Putting on your policy hat. My policy hat. What is your idea that would be a... A treatment to this situation. Okay. I think that it's a very difficult situation, and right. I'm not going right. to say that I know okay. uh, the answer. But I think that the problem with physician prescribing was related to the pill mills. Okay? Yeah. And that, I, I hate to say it, how hard is that to discover? You've got a doctor <laughs> sitting in uh, a closet yeah. who's writing prescriptions, you know, 50, 60 a day. Right. You have one pharmacy in that town that is filling 50 to 60 prescriptions a day. Yeah. I don't understand why they can't be closed down easily, but the doctors who are actually treating chronic pain patients who right. have legitimate reason can be left alone, you know, or maybe be certified. 
Um, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm certified to be a cardiologist. I'm certified to do certain things within cardiology, stress tests, ultrasound. Yeah. Why not get a certification program here? Now, I still write narcotics. I am not a pill pusher. I write narcotics for people who have chronic illnesses like coronary artery disease. Yeah. Now, it's definitely been documented. If they have untreated pain, untreated severe pain, those patients with coronary disease have a markedly higher risk of dying. Right. And the reason is when you have pain, the adrenaline levels skyrocket. And adrenaline, we've talked about on this show, yeah. leads to you know spasming of the arteries. It also makes the platelets, the, the clotting factors, which lead to heart attacks, much more sticky, right. much more likely to cause a heart attack. That's how I got into treating some of my patients. And I don't treat many. Probably 2% of my practice. Right. But it's still enough to be flagged uh, by certain uh, people in the medical uh, administrative community to be looked down upon. And even, you know, among pharmacists. Right. You know, why is this cardiologist writing for Percocet? Oh, sure. And, and, you know, it's none of your business, first of all. (laughs) Uh, And second of all, why don't you ask the patient with four different back surgeries that have failed, and they say narcotics don't work. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, they do. Yeah. They do. And I can tell you right now, some of my patients with coronary disease and severe and operable back pain, without their narcotics, are going to go downhill medically. Right. right. That's all there is to it. But there have been a lot of people who have jumped from what was a legal narcotic to an illegal narcotic. Which is why this whole business I just got, you know, was yeah. talking about. And right. I got, you know, on this track. But it's because they're going to fentanyl. They think they're buying a Percocet pill. Yeah. And these people, these drug dealers and these narcotic pushers, are creating a pill that looks exactly like Percocet. Yeah, yeah. And it's got the indentation numbers and everything. And it's pure fentanyl. And okay. they take it and they die. What, Dave, what percentage of patients who are receiving... Uh, no, go back up. What percentage of overdoses are from those patients receiving a legitimate narcotic prescription. I bet it's very few. Less than 1%. Yeah. 80% of opioid overdoses come from illegal narcotics. Right. And then the 19% come from diverted prescription. Right. And so, you know, we have to every few years take a course, show that we are up to date with the policies and guidelines of narcotic prescription. Yeah. I think they should leave legitimate doctors alone and focus on the pill mills. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. All right. uh, Thank goodness for experts because we need experts all over the place. Absolutely. We need doctors who are very knowledgeable about things. Yeah. Doctors now confirm that trans swimmer Leah Thomas does have an unfair advantage over those who are the, the competitors who are, in fact, women. Yeah. So when you have testosterone in your system as a biological male, you build muscle when you're young. Yeah. And that muscle doesn't go away despite being on testosterone suppressive. So that's what Leah Thomas's proponents are saying, that he is now on medications to suppress testosterone. Now that medicine is called Lupron. 
And we use that medicine for people who have prostate cancer because a a lot of prostate cancers are sensitive to the effects of testosterone and will grow with testosterone. But her muscles were developed when she was 13, 14, 15. They're not going away. The stature, the the tallness that she has is not going away. She, it's she hold an more, unfair advantage. She hold more oxygen in her lungs, Absolutely. Yeah. More oxygen. The muscle cells are more developed. They, they have this fast twitch um, uh, capability of, of rapidly contracting yeah. and doing the things that male muscles do. You don't lose that right. even though you're on Lupron. Right. And, you know, whatever happened to women's rights? I mean, this is yeah. what I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Title IX. You remember all that mess and fuss with Title IX? What I was did. Title IX? Equal opportunities for women yeah. to participate in collegiate sports and yeah. high school sports. Yeah. And, you know, women were hailed as great athletes, and yeah. they are. And yeah. they were supposed to get equal opportunities. Sure. They can't now. They can't if you're going to allow people like Leah Thomas to compete against Women, women who have been women their whole lives. Right. Did, you, did you hear the latest from the uh, rainbow community? No. Guess how many genders they say there are. I, I have no idea. 73 different genders. Now, we only have 26 alphabet letters. Yeah, we can't. But we have plus now. But how does it do it? <laughs> how All does right. it do it? Yeah. Some fella come by and just tell us that we're, we're <laughs> right about an article that's that we're going to talk about. Stop rewarding bad behavior in healthcare. Uh, All right. It's a mess. I'm going to distract you a little bit. We are um, at the Man Expo. The Triangle's largest man cave is the Jim Graham Building at the North Carolina State Fairgrounds. Come on down and see us and see all the exhibitors. Honestly, it's like the State Fair, but only for guys. And guess what? What? Free autographs by Leah Thomas. Yes, yes. Oh, sure we Yeah, right. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio from the Man Expo at the Jim Graham Building, North Carolina State Fairgrounds. Maggie in Apex is called in. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Hi, how are you? Speak right up and let us know what's going on. I'm sorry? Yeah, you're on with Dr. Oh, okay. Thank you. I uh, was listening to the show and about yes. chronic pain management, right. and I'm a chronic pain patient. Yeah. Uh, I've been going to chronic pain management for 22 years, uh, and I've had about oh, at least 40 surgeries on different parts of my body. Forty? Um, yes. Um, I am a cancer survivor. I was in three car accidents. Um, I uh, had about 20 of those procedures on my sinuses for structural wow. abnormalities, and I have horrible deformities of my feet. Wow. So it's like if you wake up with a sore throat and you drop a hammer on your toe, what hurts more? Yes. So I wanted to tell you about a little bit about my experience with uh, chronic pain management that's safe and healthy. I yes. am on uh, opioids, and I have been for 22 years. Uh, I go to uh, University Pain Clinic. Uh, I lived in a state, uh, other states, here uh, up until 2018. 
Yes. And the clinics that I've gone to are at the university hospitals in each of the states. The doctors that I go to specialize in pain medicine, and uh, they don't always use opioids. There's different drugs for different uh, right. medical problems that, that can be right. used. Right. So because I am a patient that does this, every year I have to sign a contract uh, with the doctor to say that I am not going to take other illicit drugs. Right. I get my urine screened uh, to make sure I'm not doing that. I signed a contract with the doctor to tell her I'm only going to go to one pharmacy. And if I have surgery, I go with that information uh, armed with the information for the anesthesia department and also for my surgeon so that I don't have two different people ordering pain meds for me. Very smart. When I go to see, like, the ear, nose, throat doctor or the foot doctor or whoever else is caring for me, Right. They all know that I go to one doctor that's managing the pain of all the areas of my body. Now, well, now let me ask you: Do you have a concern that you want to uh, talk to the doc, to our doctor, Doctor Weefald, about? Well, I wanted to let him know. I know that there's concern uh, early on. Yes. Uh, I started on this treatment in the late 1990s, right. and then all of a sudden, um, the scare for the opioids came out. And um, so my doctor at the university clinic felt compelled to start uh, tapering his patients down and off that right. type of medication. Did and anybody try to, to taper you off? Yes. And so stupidly, I found I, I used to like to drink a glass of wine. Yes. And then I found out that, oh, well, if I have a glass of wine with Advil to help me with pain, that'll help. Well, I did that enough that I started to get my liver in trouble. And then the doctors at the pain clinic found out that there are, after all these studies, certain patients that do benefit from that type of pain treatment. I just wanted to let Dr. Weasel know that, um, you know, I'm sure you do already, doctors, that there are pain management doctors and... um, you know, I'm an advocate for trying to uh, right. help people that need to have pain control. Absolutely. Listen, I am so glad you called because, I, you know, you remember on, on some of the uh, radio shows, uh, Rush Limbaugh, they'd go, ditto. Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to say ditto to you because narcotics work for people with chronic pain. And you know what? Some doctors tell the patients, well, we're going to start tapering you. Not because they need to, but because they think if they don't taper a patient, they're going to get in trouble. Okay? And this is what absolutely drives me crazy about um, pain management in a lot of ways. Why change it if you're doing well? Right? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like your pain program is excellent, and they're controlling your pain so that you can live a life without misery. And so I I see these patients come in and they've had bypass surgery and they've had, you know, uh, defibrillators and they're in tears. And I say, why? Because I'm in so much pain. I say, what happened? Well, my primary care doctor started tapering off my opioid. And I said, why? And the patient will say, you know, well, because he thinks we shouldn't be prescribing opioids anymore because they don't work for chronic pain. Well, yeah, they do. 
And I don't understand why we have to cave in to the politics of mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And here's the politics. The people who overdose and abuse drugs are not at fault. They're victims. Mm-hmm. And the doctors are at fault. And that is a, I'm going to say it right now, a certain political persuasion. And it drives me crazy. Now, are there abusers? Yeah. Are there people who try to squeeze into the medical system to get get drugs and distribute them illegally? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But just like your pain contract is designed to maintain the integrity between you and your physician in terms of prescribing, that's what we do. Right. count your pills at certain intervals. We check your drug screen to make sure you're taking them. And it works. I can tell you right now, I've had to fire about five or six patients because they didn't um, comply with their pain contract. Right. But thank God that, Maggie, you've got a great set of doctors managing your pain because I think you'd be abjectly miserable if you didn't have them. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Riefel, for uh, bringing that to the public's attention that there can be a safe way to manage this. And that poor man with the back pain must have, I can understand what would drive somebody to the brink of, uh, you know, not making healthy decisions and sadly take somebody else's life, uh, you know, because of out-of-control pain and for a long time. Uh, So... I'm really Maggie, glad yeah, yeah. that the department uh, or the physicians recognize the pain is a subspecialty uh, that could be managed well. Maggie, take Thank care. Thank you, doctors. Thank God you. bless you. I'm so glad that you've got great doctors behind you. All right. Now, just to be clear, yeah, you personally, as a clinician, follow every guideline oh, yeah. Let me, that is put in front of you we have right time? now. Do we have time? We have about a minute, maybe okay. a half a Here's minute. what we do. The contract states that yep. between the physician and the patient, several things. Yep. Number one, you will get no other narcotics from any other physician. Right. Number two, you'll only go to one pharmacy. Okay, yep. so it, it's a, a situation that we can monitor. Sure. Uh, even though the DEA system, we know every single narcotic that is ever going to be prescribed for any patient. We can right. look it up on the computer. Right. Number two, you're going to submit, I mean number f- three or four, you're going to submit to drug screening. Mm-hmm. And you're going to give urine or blood. We'll be able to tell the level is it that's in your bloodstream. Next number, we'll count your pills mm. to make sure that you still have enough left when it's time. This right. works. Right. And then you need to be seen once a month to gauge your response. Okay, thanks. This is Heart Health Radio from the Man Expo and WPTF. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. Heart Health Radio is also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and everywhere you get your podcasts. Pretty soon, anyway. Heart Health Radio. Okay, we welcome Rose Hoban from the North Carolina HealthNews.org. Hi, Rose. Hey, fellas. The Hi, boys are you? out at the Man Expo, which is at the Jim Graham oh. Building of the North Carolina State Fairgrounds. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, it's, it, it's a fun time. And women like it too. I'm just saying. 
Just so I remember you, you stop folks out. being there last year. Yeah, we were. We were. It's, it's good to be, you know, last year it was unusual because everybody was getting, you know, mask, no mask. And, you know, you could be no mask if you wanted to be. But a lot of people were masked up. Today it's no mask. I don't see anything. And it feels like normal time. Normal is good. Normal is good. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. I Disney think Dr. Dragon, Re- it is gorgeous. You know, it's like these beautiful yes. low humidity days. You really uh, you really value them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was not bur- it's not burning hot. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's warm, but it, it's not burning hot. So what is on NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org? Uh, right now. I'm scrolling the website. What do you want to talk about, Rose? Well, I mean, we could talk about a couple different things. We could continue our Medicaid expansion. Yeah, I want to talk about that because I hear that may be heading into some tailwinds. I mean, headwinds because of some Republicans changing their mind. Is that right or do I have that wrong? So here's the deal. When I first started at the legislature, uh, a friend of mine told me the story that, you know, I mean, when the Democrats controlled the place, when the Republicans had controlled the place, it's been the same party controlling both chambers, right? Yeah. And my friend once, you know, asked one of the old wags there, like, what's with them? Like, you know, the, the House is battling with the Senate, and it's always that way. And uh, my friend was told, um, the other party is the opposition. The other chamber is the enemy. And... So you have two chambers with two sets of constituents, you know, two sets of, like, caucuses. They have different priorities. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's what we're seeing playing out, right? I will say Senator Berger, the leader of the Senate, he runs a very tight ship. Um, He does not have a veto-proof majority. He's got 28 votes, which is not enough to override a veto. He is incredible at maintaining discipline within his caucus. And also, I will say this, they do do some measure of reaching across the aisle mm-hmm. to peel off the, you know, to peel off votes from the Democratic side so that they can say, well, we did this in a bipartisan manner. Right. Obviously, Medicaid expansion is a priority for Democrats as well. So when they voted on it this week, it was 44 to 2. The bill... Right however, that includes Medicaid expansion, has a number of what they call poison pills in it. So the poison pills are, one, there is increased taxes or bed bed tax or euphemistically known as assessments for hospitals, right? The flip side of that is that the hospitals get to tap into a program, a federal program, that will replace some dollars that they get from the feds for be, you know for serving disadvantaged populations, but will replace those dollars at a higher rate. So this program is called HASPI. It's like Healthcare Access Sustainability Program. Oh, I remembered it. And um, so that will replace the disproportionate share dollars that hospitals right. currently get. Right. But that will be offset by this extra tax. So the hospitals are a little bit squishy. They, you know, they're not really sure. The big, the big yeah. thing that's giving hospitals heartburn is reducing those, uh, is undermining or chipping away at the certificate of need laws, which kind of dictate 
how much hospital capacity can be in any one place. Yeah, and we got to talk about that COM next time because it's a very, you know, very interesting topic. It's a really interesting topic. It's so wonky, Dr. Weefault. But, you know, mm. and it's the research on it is all over the map, right? There's yeah. some states, like I'm from New York, right? And when they, when they, you know, eroded the CON laws in New York, I swear to you, when I was working in Queens, there was an MRI or a CT scanner on almost every block, yeah. right? And so it's sort of that whole thing that when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And yeah, so everybody want... get a CT. It was like, Oprah, hey, everybody gets a CT. What did prices look like? Um, I do not remember that. I yeah, okay. Well, there's uh, some people who say the price actually goes up. Oh, it does? Because, okay. yeah, if you're not doing as many scans, you got to yeah. have a higher price in order to pay the overhead. Yeah. But if you're doing so many scans, like, does that, does, does, the, does the price reduction wash out, right? Like, yeah. to the system overall. To an oh, yeah. consumer, the price might be lower. But to the healthcare system, and remember, so much of our, like half of our system is government paid between Medicaid and Medicare. Yes. Like something like 55% of insurance is paid by a government payer. So yeah. it's sort of like, you know, so this is, it's a really fascinating topic. So let me right. just finish elucidating the other poison, big poison pill that's in the bill. Yeah, yeah what is and the it? Other big, the other big poison pill is allowing advanced practice nurses to have more latitude in their practice. And um, Dr. Weefault, your, your colleagues in the medical, in the medical society anyway, yeah. that is like a no-go for them. Yeah. So I imagine that there is a lot of backroom wheeling and stealing happening right now. And then, of course, you have the state budget. And the House's priority or priorities might be right. different from the Senate's priorities. So I'm guessing, and I'm not the only one, that this bill, this Medicaid expansion bill, is becoming part of the whole big bargaining that's happening behind closed doors around the state budget and who gets what, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We might not get anything before Christmas or New Year's. Yeah. What do you think? Well, here's the deal. I think the, the real push from the governor and from the Department of Health and Human Services is to get Medicaid expansion ASAP yeah. because then we get a big federal sweetener, which is about $1.5 billion with a B right. dollars that has no strings attached. Yeah, okay. So everyone's looking at that money and they're smacking their lips and they're thinking, oh, my pet project. Okay. I think I want that, right? But, and, and that might go away. Um, right. So here's the deal. If they did pass the bill and it came through with all the poison pills, here's the thing that no one really talks about, yeah. is that there's a state rulemaking process that can conceivably take a couple of years. And so a lot of those other things don't need to get implemented until the rulemaking process gets done. And that's another place where there's a lot of wheeling and dealing. So I want everybody to go to North Carolina healthnews.org for their policy related and important medical related health news. Thank you, Rose. Thanks, guys. Have a great time out there today. All right. You too. You. We are at the Man Expo, the Triangle's largest 
Man Cave is the Jim Graham Building at the North Carolina State Fairgrounds. We talked last week about a guy who was a politician. I didn't make the connection. He is the Democrat running against the Republican. Right, in Pennsylvania for and Senate. He's running now against uh, Mamet Oz. Yeah, who is a very, and people don't realize this, he's not just a TV doctor. Yeah. He's a, a top is he? cardiac surgeon. Is he? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Well, ironically. Of course, of course, now that he's on the political right, he's getting sure. kicked out of everything. Kicked oh, out sure. of Columbia. Yeah. Kicked out of NYU. Yep. You know, it's amazing. They, they loved him when they didn't know his politics. Right. Now they hate him. Okay. Kicked him out. So, ironically, the guy he's running against has cardiac problems. Oh, big time. Really? What oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, this guy, uh, his name, I don't know him, obviously, John Fetterman. Very popular left-wing politician. Uh And he's done the left-wing thing. And he would go around in shorts and sneakers and T-shirts as a campaigner. Yeah. You know, man of the people. And unfortunately, suffered an acute stroke. So that's a brain attack. Right. And that's when a clot forms and cuts off the flow of blood to part of your brain. Yeah. So it's tragic. He's in the hospital. And I think to myself, he's been in there a long time. Mm. You know, he's not getting better. And usually if you have a, and I hate to use this term, garden variety stroke, mm-hmm. you know, mini stroke, you're in, you're out, you're on medicines, you do some recovery. Sure. But this guy apparently five years ago, and again, I'm not violating HIPAA because this is all in the paper. Right, he's right. agreed to talk about right. this. He's not your patient anyway. Right. Right. And he, he was found to have swollen ankles, shortness of breath. Yeah. And he went in to see the doctor, and he had what's called a cardiomyopathy. Yeah. And so what that means is his heart was bloated and weak and wasn't pumping strong enough. Yeah. So it failed to keep the blood pumping to keep fluid out of his legs and keep fluid out of his lungs. Couldn't deliver blood to the kidney to get that taken out of the body. Right. And he also had something called atrial fibrillation. We've talked about it on the show yeah. numerous times. What is that? That's when the upper chamber... The atria start yeah. to go into a continuous or intermittent sometimes muscle spasm. Yeah. And the problem with that is that you don't get that extra boost in blood flow from the top part working with the bottom part. And because the blood's not flowing well, you get clots that form. Yeah. They break off. They can go to the brain or they can go to the leg. And they can you know cut off the blood flow to any part of your body. But usually it's the brain. Anyway, he just said, okay. I'll diet and exercise, and that'll cure me. Of course, that is the way some people on the political left look at health care. If if you take meds, you're bad. If you go on a diet and you exercise, that's a cure for everything. You won't get breast cancer. You won't get anything if you diet and exercise. Now, that's just false. He was successful, though. He lost 100 pounds. Right. He did some right things. And this is the answer that I'm trying to tell everybody. Yes, you can help yourself. There's no doubt about it. But you're not going to cure the situation. Okay. And so he apparently had atrial fib. And the reason why I know his heart's not stronger, he had to have a defibrillator. Okay. And they don't put those things in unless your heart's still weak and you're having electrical problems. Now, can he get back on his feet? Sure. Yeah. If he listens to his doctor and doesn't think that medications are poison... 
and realizes that, you know, without life, without chemicals, his mm-hmm. life is going to be impossible. Mm-hmm. Then he'll 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 be fine. I mean, the vice president of the United States under George W. Okay. Yes. He had a horrible cardiomyopathy oh, yeah. from re- repeated heart attacks. So Dick Cheney. Yeah. Yeah. And he wound up having a defibrillator put in. Right. And he did eight years as VP. Right. I remember. I, yeah. When he was VP, or yeah, he was VP. And he went in for a stent, and I thought, you know, the world was coming to an end. And, you know, years later, I had a stent, and I realized that's not the—that's not even the beginning oh, yeah. of the end of the world. I mean, the point I'm trying to make about what I do and what we do as physicians yeah. is to restore health and treat the underlying condition and keep you from having another situation. Right. But I got people in my 90s, in their 90s that I've been taking care of for 20, 25 years. Yeah. They've had massive heart attacks, have defibrillators, have heart failure, and they're doing great in their 90s. Okay. So it's fantastic. We're going to shout out a mom of nine. She's had nine children. She just did something I couldn't do. It's amazing. We'll it is. We'll shout out. Sarah Merrill in just a moment. This is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down. Health Radio from the Man Expo at the Jim Graham Building, North Carolina State Fairgrounds. We want you to stop by. Our uh, follow-up show is making your home great, and there are giveaways associated with making your home great there. And Holly... Yeah, well, I didn't tell you we're giving away a free bypass surgery. Yes, that's a great idea. The 27th and a half caller. It's got to be a half in between. (laughs) We'll get a free bypass bypass at the Dave Alexander Institute of Bypass Surgery. This this sounds good. It'll be... And we won't give you any opioids at all. We'll give you a stick to put in your mouth. (laughs) I can't do any more than that. And a lead bullet to bite on. Lead bullet. Okay. Mom of nine graduates from? Oh, I just think this is the greatest story. Where'd she graduate So Sarah Merrill um, was a, a real great student in college. Yeah. And she fell in love with her husband at Dartmouth, mm-hmm. and they got married. And she was going to go to med school, took the medical at college admission test while pregnant with her first child, got in when yeah. she, the first child was four years old. The youngest child was four years old. And she graduated from the Mayo Clinic with nine kids. And nine. I think that's fantastic. Nine. I love large families. I think, you know, everybody on, on certain political persuasions are even saying, don't have kids anymore. No, the no, world's no. coming to an end. It's okay. Have as many kids as you possibly can. Now, and can you imagine? I mean, I had four. Yes, yes. Could yes. I have gone to medical school and managed and balanced four kids? But the reason why she she her she had a great husband yeah who yeah. helped, and I can imagine the oldest kids in that family were recruited to take care of some yeah. of the younger kids. Baby. They are. But she now... graduated from the Mayo Clinic, Alex A L I X School of Medicine, yeah, in Phoenix, Arizona, and guess what? She's going to be a neurosurgeon. Yes. She got into a neurosurgical residency in Indiana, and her great husband. And her great kids wow. are picking up stakes for her. Yeah. Moving to Indiana. Yeah. And she's going to be a great neurosurgeon. I think it is her, fantastic. Her kids are now between the age of 20, 20 to 8. And 8. Oh, and my And she word. is now 
uh, uh, Ms. Dr. Merrill, excuse me. Dr. Merrill, yeah, yeah. Is now 41. Wow. So Good for her. So her journey to medical school began at age 17, a freshman at Dortmund. Wow. And I think this is, I, I, I can't tell you what a tremendous, more That's than what a tremendous story this is. Now, yes. eight years of neurosurgical residency. She uh, will be 49 years old. So what? Yeah, yeah, I know. 49 is the new 30. <laughs> okay? She should right. be able to practice yes. 25 years. Yes. Okay? And I know a lot of friends who practiced only 25 years. Mm-hmm. They wanted to retire at age 55, and they did. Right. So, you know, people may be saying, wait a minute, she's going to be too old. No, she won't. And, and she's... No, ma- she won't. She has started her career, although a residency doesn't pay a lot, certainly doesn't pay enough to... To live on. Take care of nine yeah, children. Her husband graduated from Dartmouth, so I hope he's and probably I got suspect them. he's got a good a good job. All right, but, listen. But you know, finances are not are not the thing I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, I know. What I'm I talking know. about for her is the dedication not only to raising a family, yes, but to having a career where she will pay back yes. to society. Because a good neurosurgeon is yeah. hard to find nowadays. Right. right. All I mean, so many of medical school graduates now are picking dermatology. Yes. Now, good skin, yes. I mean, <laughs> figuring out melanomas sure. and fixing them, yes. Yeah. But we have so few neurosurgeons now right. that for her to take that on, sure. take on that challenge, I mean, gosh, I wish I knew this woman. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. She must be a tremendous human being, yeah. you know? Congratulations. If you're listening out there, Sarah, or if you know Sarah Merrill, tell her that we here just think she's the the cat's pajamas. Terrific. Larry in Raleigh, thank you very much for holding on and hanging on. What's going on today? Larry. You you there? Hello, Larry. Nope, he's gone. He's gone. It happens often enough. Yeah, I, I blow the eight and then they decide not it's to It's not stay. a problem. It's Call back problem. if you want to. All right, there's an article in the stack here that says Walgreens and CVS oh, are under fire. Under fire because they are not, they are they are selling this medicine. Selling a horrible. What is the medicine? Horrible medicine. It's Tylenol. Tylenol. Now, the article talked about it as paracetamol. Yeah. And I guess this is going on in England, uh, which doesn't surprise me. Okay, so Tylenol mm-hmm. is not 100% safe. It's just not yeah. like any other drug. And so when I get a patient who I prescribe a medicine to, and they come back and they say, Doc, uh, the pharmacist and everybody else says you're trying to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say, what are you talking about? And they'll say, can cause uh, blah, 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 death. Sure. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Gastrointestinal problems, uh, brain bleed. Yeah. And, you know, this is the FDA ruling that right. these possible things have to be listed on the package insert. Right. But they don't list how rare they are. Hmm. So here you got a bunch of women who are saying that if you take Tylenol or paracetamol, as it's known in England, Mm -hmm. in pregnancy, that there is a chance of certain problems. Yeah. And uh, attention deficit disorder and uh, autism spectrum disorder. Mm. Now, let me take a, a, a chance to tell you mm-hmm. that there's no evidence of this at all. Right, right. There was one article published in the Journal of American Medicalization, Psychiatry right. or, uh, Journal, 
that said exposure to acetaminophen in the womb may increase a child's risk for ADD and autism. Now, what does that mean? It means that they went back and looked at thousands of women who children were born with ADD or ASD. Okay. And they had a little bit more Tylenol use than those who didn't. Mm. The only way you're going to prove this is to take thousands of women, give them Tylenol, or not Tylenol. Right, right. We're not now, doing the that. problem is, is that the women who who needed Tylenol during their pregnancy, right, may may have and probably did have health problems, right, that required them, or not required, but but led them to take Tylenol as opposed to healthy women, sure, who didn't need any Tylenol, sure. So were there the health conditions involved? in causing the attention deficit disorder and the autism spectrum disorder. They blame it on Tylenol. There's no causal proof. And so now they want Walgreens and CVS to put big signs up. Warning, taking Tylenol may give your child in the womb uh, ADD and ASD. It's ridiculous. All right. Now, it's ridiculous. Tylenol, that is paracetamol. Or acetaminophen. Or acetaminophen. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is that? No. Tylenol was the first... Uh, actually, no. The first brand name was Datril, but they lost out to a company that made Tylenol, and okay. it's never been a prescription drug, right? Because the side effect profile is so safe. Now, obviously, if you overdose on it, you'll get liver failure and you'll die. Right. I mean, that's one way that people kill themselves. Is that the one it's, I'm not supposed to take because of kidney problems? Uh, no. No. What am I not supposed to take? Aleve or Advil. I don't take anything now. Yeah. I don't take any pills yeah. unless my doctor's written well, you know, a prescription Let me, let me tell you, I do some bad things, okay, according to the medical cognoscenti. Sure, yeah. What do you uh, do? Have you ever heard of a BC powder? Yeah, yeah. I take one every now and then. Yeah. And I hate to say it. Yeah. Tastes good. <laughs> it's an orange thing. Yeah. It's Reminds a, me of those uh, orange things in, in the straws you used to eat yeah, as pixie kids. sticks. Yeah. Pixie sticks. What, so and then I'll have two Tylenol and two Advil when uh, I have a headache. Sure. And that works. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I still take all my good stuff, you know, my my vitamins and, and you know, my turmeric or turmeric, whatever you want to call it. But come on. Every now and then you get a headache, take a Tylenol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your yeah. kid's not going to get ADD from it, okay? This is not. Yeah, it's I'm, not. I'm not planning to have any more kids, so I, I can yeah. take all the well, time and all. I... You can't men have children now? <laughs> yeah. They say they can. They say. All right. all right. There is an article we're going to talk about in the next hour. Stop rewarding bad behavior in healthcare. You Absolutely. Will, you will not believe how much money is sucked up. By people who are mid-level managers. Middlemen and, and women. Right. We're also going to talk about a weight loss drug that costs $1,300 a month. And guess what? If you stop it, you might just get fat again. Uh, really? It's just the way it works. Yeah. This is Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. 
This is Heart Health Radio at the Man Expo, the Triangle's largest man cave. We're here uh, all weekend long at the Jim Graham Building, North Carolina State Fairgrounds. Somebody will be here, not necessarily from uh, Heart Health Radio, but uh, uh, the uh, crew is going to be represented of uh, Making Your Home Great, which, of course, follows this. Rhonda Benvy Plummer and Holly from RoofWorks are at their booth right now. All right, so stop rewarding bad behavior in healthcare. Yeah. Relates to what? Well, uh, you know, I think we've got a great healthcare system in the sense that we deliver the highest quality care there is. Yeah. One of the problems is that when the Affordable Care Act was being developed, Obama decided that you couldn't just start from the beginning. You couldn't erase, and rightly so, all the insurance companies that had been built up. Blue okay. Cross Blue Shield, sure. United Healthcare. So he wanted to get them in on the deal. Now the problem is that the people who got in on the deal now are the middlemen. And yeah. so 73% of all dollars spent on healthcare now are spent on the middlemen, the executives in companies, the really? uh, pharmacy benefit managers. It's not direct health care from nurses, technicians, right. physicians. It's, it's the bureaucracy. I can remember when I first started, you had a nurse, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And an assistant who, you know, would help, you know, four different nurses. Sure. Now, I mean, the, the bureaucracy, the different layers right. of administration, quadruple. I mean, just, it's unbelievable. I told you about my mother-in-law who yeah. was in the ICU. Yeah. And I, and because they were doing a procedure, I, I actually, I stepped out uh-huh. and I looked at the room. There were 15 people standing in this room. Now, they were, they were at work, 15 people. Seven of them were on computers. Yeah. They were inputting stuff. I mean, before the electronic medical records, right. I would say physicians would spend, you know, 70% of their time right. direct face-to-face with the patient. Right. And about 20 to 30% of the time at yeah. the chart. We right. hand-entered notes. We'd put the vital signs. We put, it was called a soap note. Soap? Subjective. I'm having pain. Okay. Objective. Right. Vital signs exam. Assessment. Pain. Yeah. Plan. Relieve pain. So it was SOAP. S-O-A-P. Yeah. Now these notes are 6,000 characters long. I mean, the average note in England is less than 1,000. Now we're at 6,000. Yeah. And the electronic medical record just has grown and grown and grown. And so... The doctor now yes. will spend two hours on the electronic medical record for every one hour on face-to-face patient care. So if you have a doctor who has eight hours in the clinic, right? Okay, he's going to spend five in front of the computer typing right. and three direct face-to-face contact with the patient, right. which translates to five minutes and i got to get out of here because i got to go type at my computer. Now, I re- mm. I've told you before, and I'll tell you, I don't do it. I refuse. Yeah. So tomorrow, 
I'm going to be dictated. Yeah. I'm not going to do data entry. I'm going to dictate, and I'm paying someone to data entry for me. Right. Best person in the world, yeah. Pam Van Hookie. And, and I got that pronounced right today. And, yeah, and, and she, you know, the great thing is, I'll say you this yeah. about technology. Yeah. She lives in Indiana. Yeah. And we live in North Carolina. Yeah. When I dictate that note, within nanoseconds, it's in her computer, thanks to the Internet. Okay, so there right. are right. technological advances that allow us to do great things. Right. But we're just killing ourselves. And Middle managers. It's terrible. Yeah. And so now it's even worse for me. Because Medicare, I, I never thought I'd say this. Hmm. I prefer a regular Medicare patient than any other kind of patient. Really? Yeah. So now that there's this Medicare advantage, and a lot of patients are getting phone calls right. from brokers yes. saying, we're going to save you money every month, join XYZ Advantage Medicare, which means that Medicare gives the money to the insurance company, and they decide... Who gets the money when you go to the doctor? Yes. So, for 50 bucks a month, we'll give you all your Medicare. Now, what happens is Medicare gives them all the money. They pay the Medicare. They give them their Medicare uh, copay. Sure. Or what's it called? Um, premium. Yeah. And then they refuse care so mm. that they make money. Yeah. What they don't get told is that there's going to be an $80 copay visit to a cardiologist. They'll go, I've never had to pay before. Wow. Well, yeah, because now you're an XYZ Medicare Advantage plan. Yeah. Now, suppose I want to get an ultrasound of their heart. Right. I have to get on their website, type in all their information, mm-hmm. and then justify why I need to get an ultrasound. Right. Okay? Now, I can't do that. I can't spend the time doing that. I have to hire somebody to do that. Right. Now, the great thing about Medicare was that you didn't have to do that. They just trusted you. Right. And that's a federal law. So I, I just can't believe what is happening. And, you know, I'm discouraged. I hate to say it. Yeah. I'm discouraging people to go in the medical field. I really? really? Yes. I mean, if there was a way you could do it the way I did it in the 90s. Yes. Then it's the greatest job in the world, and I can't believe they pay you to do it. Right, right. But now, I mean, why did I go to medical school at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine? To sit there and type into a computer all day. Right. Ridiculous. Huh. Okay, here. It's, yeah. yeah. At, at Kaiser, which is the, the well known, you know, HMO out of California. Yeah. That's been, you know, gunning for all this stuff for years. Yeah. How many clicks on a electronic medical record does a doctor have to make to document that the patient had a flu vaccine? I That's guess. just to say. I mean, before, you could write check under a piece yeah. of paper, yeah, yeah, yeah. flu vaccine. I, it's a, 37 clicks. Really? Yes. Just to document? Click. Uh, yeah. Click. Click. Finally, after 37 clicks, the documentation is in the chart that the patients had a flu vaccine. Yeah. Now, how ridiculously crazy is that? Wow. Crazy. You're, you're really suggesting to people they not become a doctor? Yes. Yes. This is crazy. Well, let me ask you a question. Would you want to spend two-thirds of your life doing what you don't want to do when no. sitting out there in, in front of you yeah. is a patient that you just want to care for yeah. and and do the best you can? And, and 
look at them and see their facial expressions. Right. Or spend two-thirds of your time so you can get paid. And that's what this is all about. Right. The documentation is is set up so that some person who works for either the government or an insurance company yeah. can go through the chart with a, a mindless checklist yeah. and say, oh, there's the mention of the heart. Oh, there's the mention of the left toe. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is there a mention of the right gray toe? Oh, no, you don't get paid. You don't get paid. Okay. Or they worse, they take the money back. Yeah. So if they had review 100 charts the end of the year, right. and they say, we didn't like 10 of these charts, yeah. they'll take out 10% of all the money they've given you the whole year. I'm That's not kidding. Deadly. That's deadly. And so I, instead no. of this being about the patient, right. it's about the middleman. It's about who gets paid, who doesn't get paid. I got control over the doctor. It's just wow. ridiculous. Wow. So, I, yeah, the answer is, it, yeah. and now, if you told me you were going to go practice, you know, on your own, um, cash only, mm-hmm. where there are no health care regulations, except, you know, you can't kill the patient. Um, well, that's a good idea. And you have to yeah. document certain things by sure. law, like your prescriptions and stuff. Yeah. But you could say things that you want to say. Without worrying that Blue Cross Blue Shield or the federal government can say you didn't say enough. That's all cash. Yeah, yeah. If you no insurance, if nothing. If Come only. on in. Yeah. Give me 50 bucks and I'll look in your throat. See, I advise young people not to go into talk shows. Do not, <laughs> not become talk show hosts. It's a it's a lonely life, and I don't know. It, I'm not lonely. It's lonely, it, and you don't want to do it. I just don't want more competition oh, in my field. I get is it. what I'm saying. I get it. Some 19 year old kid going well, to take let me my tell job you, there again. There are physicians. Wait. Yeah. Okay. There's a guy in Long Island, and I can't yeah. remember his name, but he does one surgery, and that is removal of the gallbladder. I swear it's to God. All he does. A removal of the gallbladder. He, but he is so famous in Long Island and <laughs> Brooklyn and stuff like that, 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 you know, it's like, oh, you had your gallbladder. Did you have it done by Dr. Schneider? <laughs> no, you should have gone to Dr. Schneider. <laughs> and so it's $6,500 cash. Yes. And they bring in this suitcase full of $1 bills. He sits there and counts it and says, you got an appointment in the hospital on Thursday at 9 o'clock. And... and- and so he lines them up. He only does All them he does. one day a week. He sits in his office and sees the patients, examines them, makes right. sure they need their gallbladder out. Right. And then lines them up, you know, at Bayshore uh, Hospital. Yeah. And just walks in and does one gallbladder, tosses it in the in the jar to get looked at, goes to the next. I mean, they got rooms for him. Sure. 6500 bucks, and he does 10 on a Thursday. And then and guess he, what his note is? He golfs. I took the gallbladder took the, out. <laughs> patient started patient the day with a gallbladder. Complained of a gallbladder pain. Yeah. I took the gallbladder out. Wow. Plan. Treat him like I would treat anybody else with uh-huh. a gallbladder. And, and of course. And that's it. Because he's cash. He doesn't have to write the nine-page note. No. Unless he gets sued. And well, then he these things happen. Yeah. But he's never been sued. Okay. All right. Because he's really good at gallbladders. We're going to talk about the Veterans Administration Hospital. Bad. Uh, not that not ours. Not all ones here, are bad, but, but a particular this, situation. Yeah, it's a terrible situation. They turned away a patient. They were 
too concerned about finding out whether he was a vet, uh, which, I, you know, is the kind of thing you probably shouldn't question when the guy's having a heart attack. Also, stop. Uh, uh, there's a weight loss drug uh, related to Ozempic. may even be the same thing. It's Ozempic. It's Ozempic under a different name, costs much more, and you don't want to quit it. That's coming up uh, on Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. Larry from Raleigh actually does have a question for the doctor. Hi, Larry. How you doing? Oh. <laughs> we have struck out with... Larry today. This is the second time that Larry, Larry called back. Third time's a charm. I, I, we didn't push the wrong button. I, honestly, yeah, honestly, we didn't. All right, so the VA, somebody showed up yeah. at the Veterans Administration Hospital. And what's the do, first thing they did? Well, they checked They checked to see whether he was a yeah. veteran. Okay, here's a guy, can't breathe. His legs are all blown up with fluid. He's right. obviously in heart failure. Right. And what's the first thing they do? They say, oh, we got to make sure he's eligible for treatment here. And okay. I can't, I just couldn't fathom this. This was in Gainesville, Florida, 60-year-old veteran. And, I mean, he said he was a veteran. Right, right. Why couldn't they just believe that he was a veteran? Yeah. And put him in the room, start giving him treatment. But no, they held up the ambulance. Well, now, how about this? This is a lot like... The stories that you hear, and I don't believe sometimes, but somebody shows up at the hospital, they don't have insurance, so they shift them somewhere else. You know something? If you get to the emergency room, there's an agreement that you've got to be treated and stabilized. Stabilized. Okay, so, for example, if a woman arrives in labor, Uh she can't be sent to another hospital. She has Mm -hmm. to be taken care of. Um, Right. If somebody is unstable like this gentleman was. Yes. At a non-VA hospital, at a public or private hospital in the sure. USA, they would have to be treated and stabilized right. instead of being turned away. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't know that this was true, but it's possible that there is an attitude of if patient's not a vet, we don't have to treat them, and therefore we don't have as much work. And this is one of the problems... I don't know if that's true or not. I hope to God this wasn't true. But I can't think of another reason why nurses and and hospital personnel would ask first, are you really a veteran? Are you eligible? Not, let's get some oxygen on you. Let's get some diuretics in your water pills. Let's get you in, in the intensive care unit and get you better. And then ask questions. Shoot first, ask questions later. Well, you, know? you you are a government-funded hospital. I, I hate to put too sharp a point on it, but you're you're not losing money for you know some company. Right. You're losing money for the federal government. The federal government's losing money hand over fist. Yeah. But you know, there's a sense that if I don't have to see this patient because right. he doesn't qualify, yeah, that's less work for me. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, incentive, and that's the other article we can talk about coming up, is that yeah. a lot of 
hospital-based um, uh, practices are, have gotten rid of incentive payments right. for physicians. So what's the incentive? <laughs> what's the incentive to I work understand. harder? Yeah, yeah. You're on salary. You can say no to that patient. Wow. You know? So I don't know. It's All just, right. I don't know. I don't know. Telephone number is 860-9783. We sound different today. We're at the Man Expo. The Triangle's largest man cave is the Jim Graham Building at the North Carolina State Fairgrounds. There's so much here I can't really, you know, identify. I'd, I'd go through the, the whole list. There's everything from adult beverages. There were wrestlers up. Uh, we've got the Making Your Home Great crew. Got Holly Bowers from Roofworks. We've got Rhonda Ben V. Plummer from Help Me Rhonda Interiors at that booth. And they're, they're by the way, they're offering something, talking about veterans. Veterans and active duty service members uh, can be signed up to win four wonderful prizes presented by Help Me Rhonda Interiors, Roof Works, uh, Triangle Radiant Barrier, and American Dream Flooring and Tile. All you have to do is come on out to the Man Expo at the Jim Graham Building at the North Carolina State Fairgrounds. Okay, so there's this new weight loss drug, yeah. similar to the one that I was prescribed, yeah. which is a diabetes drug right. called Ozempic. Right. O O O Ozempic. All right. So what? So so tell me. The uh, the, uh, the weight loss drug? version of yes, it, which is the same drug. Yes. In a in the same injector pen. Yeah. With a different label. It's called sure. Wegovy. Wegovy. Right. Okay. And and it is something called semaglutide. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's an injection. It's called a GLP uh, agonist. And what it does is it gives you a boost of a hormone right. that helps correct your body's response to sugar. Yeah. And it makes your own insulin work better, gives you more of it at the right time. And it's for type 2, not type 1 diabetics, but right. those who have insulin, but it doesn't work right. And it's a great medication. Right. And one of the things they found was that if you took it, not only would your sugar get better, but you'll yeah. lose weight. Uh, and it was fantastic. It is fantastic for losing right. weight. Right. And, you know, people were losing, you know, three, four pounds a month. And so they decided... To get an FDA label indication for weight loss. Right. Okay? So it's the same medicine with a different brand name, and it costs $1,300 a month. And yeah. because it's a weight loss medication, yeah. Yeah. it is branded by or it is it is to, um, uh, classified by yeah. insurance companies as a van- vanity medication. <laughs> now, what happened to the concept? That obesity is a disease. Right. It is. Yeah. And I treat obesity with medical bariatric uh, uh, situations yeah. with medicines, including right. uh, this drug, Ozempic. And you can get Ozempic for 10 bucks with your insurance if you have commercial insurance. Wow. But That's you can't great. get way better. You can't. And the interesting thing is that I met some ladies uh, at my dog park, and real nice women. Mm-hmm. And they work at these weight loss spas. Yes. And so not only do they do Botox, mm. they do weight loss, they do everything for the new you. Yeah. And they charge $1,000. And yeah. they have bought their own semaglutide pens. 
Yes. I'm serious. They have them in the sh on the shelf. And you pay this $1,000 thing to right. get your Botox right. and your, your weight loss. And they are working with several um, uh, health clubs to right. exercise. And right. it's a whole package. And, you know, it works. They're losing and 10, 15 pounds a month. But there's a doctor involved, They're getting right? smooth faces. Oh, yes, 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 okay. yes. Right. You, and he has to actually, see, and rightly so, yeah. see the patient. But he can hand them the semaglutide. Just say, here you go. You sure. know? For a thousand and um, it is uh, the wave of the future, I think. You know, I, I don't know if I like it. But here's the thing I want to tell people who are looking for a diabetes, type 2 diabetes medication right. and weight loss. And then something we haven't mentioned here, I'm a cardiologist. Why am I pushing these medicines over, say, insulin or mm -hmm. You know, glipizide, mm -hmm. it's because they don't save lives from a heart point of view. Uh, these medications, Ozempic, uh, other medicines like it, Trulicity, have been shown yeah. to reduce the risk of death from heart disease and reduce the risk of heart failure. I mean, they're just fantastic medications. Mm -hmm. So, Jardiance is another type of medication shown to reduce the risk of heart attack. Right. So, what do I treat my patients with? Metformin, which has also recently been shown. Uh, that uh, to reduce the risk of, of uh, uh, multiple health problems right. related to diabetes. And that prevents the liver from making too much sugar. And then Jardiance, which makes the kidney pee out too much sugar. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Trulicity or Ozempic, which uh, uh, make <coughs> your own sugar work better. All right. We're, we're going to take a break, and uh, the news department has to talk about some stuff. We got some sad news out of China. Um, Chinese surgeons are essentially executioners uh, for the state. And that's coming up. Sad story. Also, your phone calls, 860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. In the WPTF News Center, I'm Tony Rexbay, North Carolina Central University Law School Dean Brown Lewis, found dead at her hotel room in Colorado. Former student Cassandra Stokes told ABC 11. So I think I just feel for the school and the faculty and staff, but most importantly, the students. Um, you know, students just graduated. Lewis was attending a conference in Denver. Duke University launching research into cancer-causing chemicals that Durham firefighters are exposed to on and off duty. Fire Chief Bob Zoldas told WRL-TV they're looking for tangible solutions. We want them to have a great career, but we want them to be able to have a great life after the career as well. When will we see inflation start to ease? NC State economics professor emeritus Mike Walden telling WPTF News efforts by the Fed to tame inflation without tipping the economy into recession is a tough balancing act. There is light at the end of the tunnel. I think that tunnel maybe extends a year where things will be better. And Walden notes that prices are at record levels. Many are still wanting to travel. CBS News Brief. On Capitol Hill, Congress is debating bipartisan gun legislation. Getting stricter laws passed will be a hurdle, though. Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy. There may be the votes in the Senate to be able to expand our background check system, to help states pass red flag laws for additional mental health funding. A former Wisconsin County judge was killed in his home. The 56-year-old suspect was apparently armed with a hit list. Attorney General Josh Call. At this point, we are not aware of any evidence indicating that there is any active danger to other individuals. Those who may have other uh, been other targets have been notified of that. 
South Florida residents are prepping for a tropical storm. Alex, Holly Turner is picking up sandbags. Just in case we get in sandbags. <laughs> yeah, because we flooded out last year really bad. They could see five to eight inches more of rain before the system tapers off and moves on out tomorrow. CBS News Brief. I'm Stacy Lynn. Here's your exclusive WPTF AccuWeather forecast. Partly sunny this afternoon with a high 85. Clear tonight with a low 62. Sun and high clouds tomorrow with a high 85. Sunny to partly cloudy Monday with a high 85. Times of sun and clouds Tuesday with a high 87. And a thunderstorm Wednesday with a high 89. I'm AccuWeather's Gregory Patrick on the Triangle Severe Weather Station, WPTF. When severe weather hits the triangle, listeners turn to FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF for the latest weather information. Go to WPTF.com and click on the severe weather banner powered by Comfort First Heating and Cooling. Never lose power with a whole home generator from Comfort First. Learn more online at YourComfortFirst.com. Severe weather coverage on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF is powered by Comfort First Heating and Cooling. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. And we're at the Man Expo, powered by Hendrick Buick GMC of Cary. We are at the Triangle's largest man cave, which is the Jim Graham Building at the North Carolina State Fairgrounds. Heart Health Radio, and of course, making your home great on the air at the Man Expo. Please do come out. If you make it in the next half hour, we meet Dr. Weefall. If you if you stop by later, I'll shake your hand. Brock Emmons from Triangle Radiant Barrier will be here. Also, Rhonda Benvy Plummer from Help Me Run the Interiors. Okay, so we're not done with the with the weight loss drug yeah, discussion. Quick. Yeah, real quick. So what's coming out? And it's been approved. We yeah. talked about it, I think, a couple of weeks ago. It's uh, the generic name is Terapeptide. Right. And the brand name is Monjero. Now, it is Trulicity, which is a, a, a drug like Ozempic. It's yeah. called a GLP-1, if you want to know. Yeah. Well, there's another ingredient, a GIP. So these are both proteins that come from the gut. They're in cretins, and they help to regulate sugar. Right. Let me tell you, weight loss is going to be spectacular. Yeah. And the correction of that old bugaboo, the A1C, the hemoglobin A1C, which is a measure of your long-term sugar control, right. was unbelievably uh, corrected. Right. We don't have the data on cardiovascular effects like we do for Ozempic and Trulicity, but let me tell you, I can't imagine it's not going to be spectacular, but we've got to see. And I think this drug is going to take over. And yeah. uh, it's got to be available there. That's the problem. It's going to be expensive. I found that with Ozempic, I would look, I would sit in front of a plate of food, and I would not want any more than that plate of food. That's good. I, I was not, and it was, some people reported as nausea. I just reported it as, yeah, Meh. I don't feel like eating. Meh. But, you know, for a guy my size, when I... Don't feel like eating, that's still a positive. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. All right, so let's talk about the story. It's an awful story about China. Yeah. And Chinese surgeons, is it that they're, well, are they extracting organs? 
Yeah. And, you know, you might want to say that in this country, we uh, have to have people brain dead before you can harvest a heart or the lung. Right. And it has to go through a very specific procedure. Right. Either the patient ahead of time designated him or herself as an organ donor. Sure. Yeah. Or you have to have the family involved, especially if it's a child. Right. In China, there has always been a rumor uh, that they were harvesting organs from prisoners. And that appears to be true, but the real story appears to be more than just true. It is a a horror story. Yeah. They are actually taking these organs from people who are still alive. And in some cases, these are organs that they need. Other health problems. They weren't dead. They weren't right. brain dead. They were prisoners. But you can't take a heart. It's execution that way. by organ donor. Heavens. And I just am flabbergasted. Now, you, I mean, they're saying, well, we're going to put a bullet in his head, so let me just put him to sleep and take his heart out and let him die. It's, it has to do with what we are as physicians in terms of doing no harm. Right, right. And to be the human being who kills the other human being, no matter what it's for, right. I think just violates every principle of medicine that I've been taught. Right. So I don't know uh, what we can do about it, if anything, because this is going on in China. Right. Well, you know what we can do? We might want to make a decision that some countries aren't the best countries, and we could maybe not trade with them so much. Well, here, you know, I've, I've, we talked about this. All of our antibiotics, uh, at least even the chemicals that are the precursors for antibiotics are made in China. Yes. Um, some of our um, very critical uh, medicines and um, things yeah. we use for diagnostics right. are made in China. Where, you know, you can pay 50 cents an hour. Right. And so, you know, companies like Apple Computer, they're not going to move their stuff over here. Right. Because, you know, not only are they paying a dollar a day uh, for their uh, people who make their computers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. um, They don't have to pay benefits. They don't have to pay anything beyond just a pittance. And then they put these people up in um, dormitories. Right. And it's the same thing for Apple Computer as it is for these medical supply companies. And so what happens? We ran out of contrast dye. I've been trying to get these special CT scans for my patients who have blockages in the arteries to their legs. Mm -hmm. It's called a CT angiogram. Backlog. I thought I was living in Canada, though, for a while. I got a waiting (laughs) list of four weeks. And the reason is there's no contrast agent. There's none. It's sitting somewhere in China. And in Shanghai, and they couldn't load it because Shanghai was in lockdown. Yeah. And uh, we still don't have any. In fact, it is the most amazing thing. I never thought this would happen. I got a fax from a company that is a uh, new private radiology group. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, the radiologists um, have just opened up to compete. Yeah. And they said, we have contrast. Uh, it's like saying, you know, we have bananas at $1.98. Yeah. yeah. And how can it be that we are um, relying 
on our um, most important medicines right. on another country that right. could just cut them off in a second. And this is the country that's pointing nuclear weapons at us. Yeah, well, there's that. You know? Yeah, And they're designing their uh, military to destroy American aircraft carriers. Mm -hmm. And now they've even said they're going to design rockets to knock down Elon Musk's Starlink satellite. That's not nice. No. I don't know what to do. Nobody no. seems to to change. And we are uh, mortgaging our future. And I'm worried right. from a health care point of view especially. There's an article that says that coffee yeah. may increase your life expectancy. Or at least make you happy well, while you're living longer. Let me just tell you, it does increase the life expectancy of people who are around me when I get my coffee. <laughs> you know what I mean? I. I don't kill nearly as many people when yeah. I, you know, yeah. when I've so had this my is, coffee. This is in the, the Annals of Internal Medicine, which is yeah. a very, very good journal. Yeah. And they say 1.5 to 3.5 cups of unsweetened coffee. Yeah, I don't. Now, I can't it. drink coffee without sugar. I am sore. Yeah. I can't drink it with Splenda. I can't drink it. I can have it black with with yeah. a donut that I've dunked into it. Yeah. Dunkin'. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I figure if it's called Dunkin', I might as well Dunkin' it. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I like myself uh, a um, regular donut with a glaze. Okay. Yeah. But Just in case you're I, coming do, do to you the drink, Man Expo, bring a donut. Three and a half cups? I drank a pot today. Really? I had a pot. And that's, huh. that's about four measured cups, okay. five measured cups. Oh. Well, and they say that if you look at it, and again, this is a retrospective study. Yeah. Um, we're less likely to die of any cause. Any, any cause. cause. Any cause, yeah. You know what I think? If you go yeah. back and look at it, yeah. it's going to be because the ones who didn't drink coffee uh, fell asleep at the wheel and went yes. through the yes. uh, traffic light yes. and got killed. That almost happened to me, you know? When I was a uh, resident uh, at Johns Hopkins, at the time, yes. we worked 36 hours straight with no sleep. And wow. then we went home, yep. got eight hours of sleep, and then went back to work. Yep. And got 36 hours of no sleep. So in a 72 plus 8, 12, we, uh, our period, 80-hour period, we got 8 hours of sleep. Yeah. And so I was driving home, and I can remember just in my mind saying, oh, that's a nice noise. That's like a, a right. long trumpet note. Mm -hmm. And it was a car honking oh. their horn oh, as my I gosh. went through a red line. Yeah. I have, I have had the circumstance. Yeah. Of being in the car and hitting the rumble strip because my eyes closed. Yeah. Now, this is back when I, my parents lived in Syracuse, New York, mm -hmm. and I would drive back and forth. We would drive for Thanksgiving and then again for Christmas, which was insane, terribly insane. That's 670 miles or something like that. And I would do it at night because then the children would sleep in the car. I had my whole family in the car, yeah. and I'm falling asleep. I will never do it's that awful. stuff again. Yeah, it's just but, you know, we do crazy things when we're young. Absolutely. And right. that's one of the reasons why young people need to have some restrictions in their life. You know? Right. Because your brains aren't developed yet. I've got and, a question about swollen ankles. Yeah. You mentioned somebody the, yeah. who was having a heart problem yeah. and had... Big swollen ankles. Yeah, this is a really good thing. Let's talk about edema. That's the term. Okay. And there's something called dependent edema. So it, you get swelling in the legs that yeah. goes away when you you know rest your legs up, you know, okay. and 
Um, there's several causes, and I think it's really important because I've had people come to me, and they've had some swollen legs, and they've been seen by a friend, and the friend says, you know, you have heart failure. And they go, what? He says, yeah, didn't your doctor tell you you have heart failure? And they come uh, back to me saying, why didn't you tell me I had heart failure? And swollen legs can come from heart failure. Now, why is that? The heart has to pump strong enough to deliver enough blood to your kidneys so that your kidneys can extract excess sodium salt right, right. and have you pee it out. Now, suppose your heart's not functioning. Well, then what happens is that the kidney doesn't get enough blood and it says, wait a minute, I'm dehydrated. Yeah. Let's hold on to some salt. And then you hold on to fluid and your um, legs swell right. as you stand up. So yeah. yes, swelling can be from heart failure. Now how do you get rid of it? You get a water pill or a diuretic and you pee out the sodium that your, your kidneys are wrongfully holding right. on to right. and you get rid of the swelling. But there are other causes of swelling, and the biggest cause is something called venous insufficiency. So the arteries to your legs pump out blood directly to the ankles at a very high pace. Right. Once that blood is quote-unquote used up, the oxygen is extracted, it's got to come back somehow. Well, right. It comes back through several veins, uh, and that blood flows relatively slowly compared to how it flows in the single or two arteries to the uh, legs. And so there are seven or eight veins, yeah. and that blood is flowing slowly. So there are valves to allow the flow of blood through the vein only right. in one way, and that's back up to the heart. Sure. So as we get older, or if we've had injuries to the veins, those valves can become what we call incompetent. They don't close well anymore. Yeah. So the blood's flowing up to the heart, but also sliding back a little bit. And that increases pressure in the vein. Right. And that makes there to be fluid that extravasates or leaks out of those veins yes. into the ankles. So if you have swollen ankles, don't automatically assume that you've got heart failure. It could be that your veins are not working very well. Right. And uh, the cops are walking by. I'm showing my hands here. <laughs> um, the veins aren't working very well. And they need to be corrected. Now, right. veins can be fixed. But right. one of the simple ways, if you've got venous insufficiency, yeah. is wear compression stockings. Yeah. And they're great. You know, they just keep the, the veins flowing back up toward the uh, heart right. instead of letting fluid flow backwards. Now, right. the other way your legs swell is right. something called lymph edema. Okay. Lymphedema. Right. So there are the arteries that feed blood to the leg. Say. Yeah. There are multiple veins that carry blood back from the leg to the heart. Right. But remember, your body is a battlefield against invading organisms, right? Yeah. So there are bacteria all over your skin. There are viruses. There are all sorts of nasty things that your white blood cells are destroying. Yes. But the white blood cells also die. And they turn into a liquid yeah. called lymph. Yes. Now, everybody's heard of lymph nodes, yes, right? Yes, yes. You got lymph nodes. That's where the lymph channels get poured into the lymph node, and yeah. the node clears up all the gamish. Yeah. Well, the lymph channels can get blocked. And let me tell you one of the big things that happens, breast cancer. And they take away several, maybe 10 lymph nodes from the axilla or your armpit. Yeah. You never want to let somebody check your blood pressure on that arm anymore. Right. You never want to get an IV in that arm. Because when 
the veins are irritated and the lymph channels get swollen from the blood cells fighting the invasive bacteria, they can't flow very well because the lymph nodes are clogged. Or okay, all right. So your legs arm swells. Your leg can do the same thing. And I think lymphedema is the hardest to get rid of. Yeah. Because you've got those lymph channels. They can't empty into the lymph nodes that aren't there. And so in your leg, if you've had lymph nodes taken out, if you've had abdominal surgery where they took out lymph nodes in your abdomen, you can get lymphedema. And it's really hard to fix. Really hard to fix. Should I be concerned that when I, shall we say, uh, take my socks off, you can still see where my socks were? No. I should not worry about that. No, that's common from and just a, standing on your feet all the And time. an hour later, you can't tell where my socks right. are. Right, okay. because it goes away. All right, it goes, it away. goes away. That's very good, very good. We're going to talk about a woman who got some surgery. Now, she got a bunch of surgeries from her husband. And I just can't believe it. It's, it's, and, and it's a weird story. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio. Also, if you want to call in, 860-9783. 860-9783. Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio, and we are saluting Charles in Raleigh. Charles, how are you? I'm good. How are you all today? Good. Good. How can we help you? Welcome, welcome. So I have a a somewhat rhetorical question first, and then I'll get to my real question. Sure. Um, Am I wrong in thinking that one of our former presidents said we needed to move a lot of production of this kind of thing out of China? Uh, yeah, I am, you are correct really? that that a former president said that. Was it, what, is yeah. the strategy that we would then engage China and China would become better because we've engaged them? In, I, I would hope. Okay. All right. Yeah. Or, or not, and that's their choice. But, yeah, uh, that is their choice. Yep. Yeah. They made their but choice, my, though, Charles. My, uh, my other question, um, yeah. I am uh, mid-50s and was not diagnosed when I was younger. It wasn't a, a thing at the time. Mm-hmm. But I am thinking that I have uh, attention deficit disorder. Okay. So in, I don't know if you knew anything about that or if Absolutely. there was, uh, you know, something to be done at this age other than, yeah. you know, just habits or if medication was an option or, yeah. or what. Yeah. So. Great, great, great question. ADHD. Uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder versus attention deficit disorder. So basically, you know, you've seen the kid, um, I, I, I don't, you're 50, so you may not know, remember, Ricochet Rabbit. Remember that cartoon where the yeah. rabbit would yep. bounce off the wall? And, you know, that's hyperactive. Yeah. Um, a def, a to, uh, attention deficit disorder does not necessarily mean you're hyperactive. But what it means is that the brain, they think this is what it is, the brain needs constant stimulation in these individuals. So it's very hard to focus on one issue because the brain wants to have different things uh, presented to it at all times. Right. Now, in adults, you can go years, up to your 50s and 60s, without realizing that you have this disorder. If you find yourself 
not being able to focus, if you find yourself wanting to wander, the best thing to do is make an appointment with a psychologist who does the testing. And the testing is pretty cool. Uh, it's on a computer screen. Well, actually, you know, I'm just going to well, interview you and ask mm -hmm. you questions about your behaviors and what you can do and can't do. Right. But it's really cool. They have these things on the screen that they ask you to focus on, and they actually track your eyes to see if you get distracted to other things that are on the screen. Mm. Now, what do you do about it? There's something called cognitive behavior, where once you recognize you have this, there are you know, things that you can do in your own mind to try to, you know, refocus yourself. But the main medications, believe it or not, are amphetamine-based medication. Right. So Adderall. And what it does is it gives your brain that stimulation that it's missing mm -hmm. so you can focus on the task at hand. Yeah. And there's another medicine, medicine called Concerta, which is very similar. And there are others, but Adderall or amphetamine is the common one that we use. And I tell you, it can make your life better if you get a diagnosis and, you know, maybe they'll go with cognitive therapy first and then, if necessary, use the medication. Now, let me tell you, there are a lot of kids who are getting Adderall. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And I, I, I'm not an expert enough to say whether it's over-treated, but I can tell you, it really helps you with your homework. I mean, all these college kids. Right. And there was a um, right. an online um, uh, store where you could call up, get on the computer. Yeah. They claim to test you, yeah. and then immediately send out the prescription for Adderall. Yeah. And guess what? CVS won't fill it anymore. No, I don't. I don't blame From them. That particular and I'm terrible with the name. I can't remember the name of the company that was doing this. Right. So to make a long story short, yeah, get tested. Um, call up okay. some, yeah, call up some psychology offices. Uh, it's generally paid for by your insurance, and they'll uh, make sure they're the type of psychology office or psychiatry office mm -hmm. that does the testing. And, um, you know, the, they'll recommend whether you be treated or not and how you be treated. Okay. All right. Well, that's, uh, that, that gives me something to work with. Yeah. Charles, good luck to you. Good luck. And, right. you know, Thanks. I think You'll it's... Have a good afternoon. Yeah. It's an it's a important thing. It's being diagnosed in more and more right. in right. people at his age and at right. our age that just never got diagnosed because it was subtle right. or it was something they were doing their own uh, best to overcome. Right. And I think it's a great thing. My early days in radio have always been spent in places where I had to multitask. Uh-huh. And I just got myself into what I would consider a multitask. It's it's almost like attention deficit disorder, where I'm doing three things, and I really need that extra. I need to do something more. Well, so, here's what happens to me: is I leave a patient's room. Right. I've got to make sure the prescriptions yep. done. I've got to make sure that I've got the notes where I need them, so I can dictate them later. And if right. I get if I get interrupted. Yeah, I have fair. no idea what I was supposed to do. Yeah, I go. No I idea. Know. All right, so there's an article that yeah. says twins grew apart. They were raised in by in separate right. families. Mm -hmm. And they claim that there was a difference in IQ in identical twins. Now, let me oh. go back and, and give background. The twi Minnesota Twin Study, believe it or not, that's the name of it. Really? They found... <laughs> 
a thousand identical twins who yeah. were separated at birth and didn't know the other twin existed. Yeah. They were 80% identical in personality, in preferences for things like putting rubber bands around their wrists, yeah. uh, IQs, everything. So yeah. it became a major issue about nature versus nurture. Right. And so they clearly found that uh, genetics had a large thing to do, yeah. uh, had a large impact on IQ, on um, uh personal preferences or right. personality. Right. Well, here comes a study and this medical journal. And it was only on one twin right. set. One and set so they were from Korea. The The twin was given up by the mom, uh, surreptitiously not known to the other twin. Sure. And one twin was raised in the U.S. Yeah. And one twin was raised in Korea. And they did an IQ test on the twins and yes. found that the twin raised in Korea had 16 points of higher IQ. So they're saying, oh, it's nurture, and oh, look at Korea, they educate so much better than us. Buried in the bottom of the article, the U.S. twin had had two major concussions that had knocked her out and required uh, an extensive uh, hospitalization twice. Yeah. They don't say that. So obviously, nurture in this situation was pretty bad. Right, right. The nurture was a bonk on the head. Well, yeah. And so when you hear this stuff, remember there's there's often a political bent to it. Right, right. And the left wing says nurture, and the right wing says nature. There is a combination of nature and nurture. Okay, there always has been. Right. And there always will. And the Koreans probably have an excellent educational system. Right. Ours is... As good or as theirs. Well, I would say there are some things about the Korean educational system that are clearly better. Right. Okay. But ours, creativity. Is pretty good. Pretty good. All right. That's it for this week. Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network.